Good morning. I'm always worried when the introduction is the highlight of the message, so uh, hopefully we'll do better. Um, our church was founded on August 7, 1960. Our original mission was to be focused on serving the community. That's why our church was put here. I think we've lived this mission and we're ready to take our next steps. Many of you are aware after this service we'll be meeting in the fellowship hall. I would invite you to come over, listen to the messages, the history, and what our challenges are going forward because 2022 will be a very exciting year for Chapelwood. So I invite you. We'll be looking again at is our mission vision the same? How do we move out of a pandemic? How do we get more productive with a one board model? How do we bring in much more of the the people and the volunteers in our church, and how do we set that structure up to be successful? Sounds like a lot of admin stuff. I promise you it'll be very exciting to listen to and hope you can be a part of it. So good morning, my name is Mike Moreau. My wife Janet and I have been members of Chapelwood approaching 45 years, okay? Never thought that would happen, okay? Not the 45 years, but, uh, 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 but. And I have the privilege currently to serve as your chairperson of the church council. And also I've been fortunate enough to be selected to be the first chairperson of our board of stewards for next year. So I take that, that role strong and I wanna give you some messages that I think would be important. During our stewardship program, and today is our commitment Sunday, We've been focusing on our financial health of the church, and this is proper. This is a correct thing to do. It's correct to look at our church, our finances, and what we're doing. All churches, including us, have gone through a two-year period that is, uh, there's nothing that we've had in the history to know how to come out of that, okay? So we're trying to structure again as a church, how do we bring the church together? and how do we move forward out of this pandemic? And hopefully we'll be able to move to some normal in 2022. John Wesley, when he founded Methodism, was very strong on, on financial. He actually said, hey, you ought to make everything you can. Go make as much money as you can. Now, you also ought to save everything you can. He, he hated debt, okay? So focus on saving everything you can. He also said, give everything you can. And I think that's a strong message for us today, that that's a message that we want to bring forward as we go forward. There's a Bible verse that I like. It's Deuteronomy chapter 16, 17. It says, give as you are able according to the blessing of the Lord that has been given to you. And you hear the stories, Anthony and others, everything comes from God, and you're just kind of giving back what you've kind of kept for a while, okay? I like that vision, okay? I like that thought. I have another question for you. When do you think children understand money? Now, some would answer never, okay? That's probably true. Many of you may be aware that in my serving at Chapelwood, one of the more fortunate events early in my 
uh, membership here was I, I taught third grade Sunday school for 11 years, okay? Let me tell you, if you want to know what goes on in a church, you should teach third graders, okay? They will tell anything and everything about their family, okay? But I want to give you an example. Uh, one Sunday morning, Vicki Peters, who many of you know, was doing a children's time, kind of like Anthony just did. And she had a dollar, but it was all in change, a quarter, a nickel, a dime. And she was explaining to the children how the church spends their money, okay? You know, and she said, here's a dollar. And as an example, the staff, myself and others, okay, we get about 45 cents of that dollar, okay? And then she went on to talk about the missions and different pieces, okay? So then we get in our third grade class, and I could tell they were confused, okay? And they said, Mr. Mike, we each get a, about a dollar a week in allowance. We are getting more than the church, okay? <laughs> you know? And so I didn't say no, but I, they all said, and this is when, we, if you ever teach, there's times you get a, a golden moment. They said, we want to give some of it back. You know, we get an allowance. Sometimes we do something, sometimes we don't. So we started collecting money in children's Sunday school. Tremendous moment for the way the stewardship program was going to work. They also figured out that they want to collect for a year and then give it on I mean, Commitment Sunday. So it was one of those messages that even at that age, there is a concept of money, how it can be used, and what's the right answer. Okay? So you'd think that was the end of the message. That really wasn't. And in fact, that wasn't the more powerful message of that morning. Because they said, well then, Mr. Mike, what do you get paid to teach third grade? <laughs> of course, I could have been smart aleck and say something. I said, well, believe it or not, I do it for free. Really? You do stuff for free? And I said, yes. Believe it or not, a lot of people do things for free. So the rest of the lesson was, what are the things you could do as a third grader as you get older that you want to do for free? Why would you decide to do something for free? I'll tell you, I think it was the seed that we put in in those 11 years in third grade that as those students grew older, we became, we, we took more youth to you and Marmy than any other church. And it was a message that we were focused on working outside our realm. So when we talk about stewardship, yes, you're going to hear about money. But we're also going to start to ask for your time and talent. Because that's just as important. In fact, I, at times I will tell you that's more important. Our church is built on that. And so I want to make sure you understand it's going to be a firm foundation as we go forward. I appreciate being here this morning. I appreciate helping lead you. May God bless all of you. Thank you. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Merciful God, inspire us by your word and teach us to be faithful in change and uncertainty, that trusting in your word and obeying your will 
we may enter the unfailing joy of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're calling an audible on you. What you see in the bulletin is not what we're reading. I found out a little while ago. Anyway, uh, today's scripture is from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 6, and it starts at verse 27. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, once again, Chapelwood, I'm so glad you're here. Um, so glad that we could continue in this um, generosity series, um, talking about uh, recognizing God's uh, generous giving and how we might be able to model our lives and our practices to give uh, in, in generosity as well. And I chose these words from the book of Luke because they're Jesus speaking. And Jesus actually has a lot to say about money. It's interesting sometimes that Jesus has more to say about money than quite a few other things that the church likes to argue about these days. And I think it's because Jesus knows how easily we can be tempted into idolizing our money. And that's something that Jesus warns of over and over again, saying things like, be careful, this is not the most important thing. You cannot love both God and money be sure that the Lord your God is your only thing that you're worshiping, not these dollars, not this change, not these material things that seem so important and so life-giving because in reality, it is God who is the only thing worthy of your worship. And as I was looking over this scripture today, and it's not directly about money, but I do think it's Jesus talking about generosity about living a generous life, about going the extra mile, giving more than's asked of you, and even offering uh, forgiveness in unique ways. And let's face it, that's Jesus, that's generosity, and I do believe that is how we are also called to live. 
But before we dive in any further, before we dissect and discern and discover what this text might truly mean for us today, I do want to stop and pray. Will you pray with me? Gracious, generous, oh so loving God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us today, that your Holy Spirit is amongst us, that it is your very breath that is in our lungs. Lord, thank you for this gift of life. Thank you for our abundance. Thank you for all the ways that you protect and provide and make the curvy waves straight. Lord, thank you for your willingness to dwell amongst us and to lead us. And Lord, because of your generosity, because of your, the reality of who you are, we trust, oh God, that when we seek you, you are willing to be found. That when we listen for you, Lord, you're willing to be heard. And God, when we just mere humans full of faults and mistakes, when we're willing to just try and take the very next step in faith, you always lead the way. And so, God, we come in this moment. We humble ourselves. We recognize we don't have it all together. We don't know the right way. We don't have the words. And yet we let you speak. We let you lead. We let you change everything in us and around us. And we just give thanks for your abundant love and amazing generosity. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So these words that Jesus is saying to his disciples as he's preaching in this, uh, this is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, he's playing on some um, understandings that the Jews have, some laws that they've been abiding by, and he's offering something new. He's offering a little addition. And again, I think he's talking about just abundance and generosity. He's not saying, hey, it's okay to be abused with this line about turning the other cheek. He's not saying it's okay to be a victim or to let people, uh, you know, be violent against you. But he does say maybe for a moment we could offer another way. When he says, don't just give your cloak, but give your shirt too, he's not saying let people take advantage of you, give all you have and just trust that God will make it okay. But he's saying, go the extra mile, which he literally says too. Go a step further. Don't stop at the bare minimum, but be willing to offer a little bit more. Not again to better other people, not to make other people more, but to show that you live your life a little differently. You have a different kind of ruler, a different kind of way of which you'll follow. Live that out generously. Now, we also know that Jesus um, has a couple of interactions because of his, in, his take on the law. I think the most common is how Jesus keeps getting in trouble for breaking that Sabbath law. He believes that, again, this living generously, living abundantly, that might, might uh, make things complicated, when on that special day, he's willing to still help 
someone in need. He's willing to give uh, the ability to walk to those who have been lame. He's even willing to bring the dead back to life, even though it's a sacred day. And remember that Jesus doesn't come to abolish the law. He says it quite clearly. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to make it more real, more alive, for you to see the beauty that are in these laws that were given to you as a gift, not to restrict you, not to burden you, not to weigh you down with all these rules that you'll never be able to keep, but instead to give you life, new life, life guided and guarded in a new and exciting way. And so I wanted to read a little bit of scripture from the Old Testament that we find in regards to this, to, into, to giving and to this elusive 10%, the tithe. And I think today as Christians, what we tend to do is just feel bad that we're not there. Just feel obligated and burdened by that huge ask. But I wanna read to you from the original uh, Old Testament in Deuteronomy where this tithe is talked about and maybe open up your eyes to a new way to look at this. In Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22, we read this. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. It says, eat this in front of God so that you may learn to see the glory that God is. It goes on to say, but if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away and I would add, and your blessing is so large, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. I'm gonna read that line again. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. This is not a burdensome law. This is a party law. This is saying, hey, take stock. Take notice in all that God has gifted you, in your abundance, whether that be field or grain or olive oil or cattle. I want you to take notice of that, and if you can, take a tenth of that and eat it in front of God, in the presence of God, with God, in recognition that God has been doing great things in your life. And if you have been so blessed, you have so much that you couldn't bear to carry all of that to the place where God is at, then sell it. Sell it, get those little coins that are a lot more manageable. Go to the place where God is at 
and buy whatever you want. Food, drink, wine, and other fermented drink, whatever you need for a good party. And rejoice with your whole house in the presence of the Lord. I wonder how often we get stuck on that tithe part, that 10% part, and feel so burdened and so trapped, so heavy, because either that's a lot of money or it's even if it just feels like a little, but it's too much. And we forget to keep reading about the rejoice, that this is an opportunity to celebrate, to recognize what we have and to give it to God in abundant, but in an abundant rejoicing in celebrating and excitement over all that God has given. I wonder what it might be like if we start to reframe the way we think about our giving. Not as a task, not as a burden, not as this heavy thing we have to do, but as a way to rejoice in what God is giving. To give in ways that celebrate the abundance of God in our lives, that honor and uh, bring worship to who God is and how God is at work. I wonder what it might be like to rejoice in all that we are given. One of my other favorite scriptures in the Bible about generosity comes from the book of Acts. This is in Acts 16, starting with verse 16. And we read here, it says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to start on 13. Excuse me. Acts 16, starting with verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So this uh, little story has a lot in it. We find a woman, a group of women, um, who are open to hearing these uh, apostles, these early Christians spreading the news. And we find Lydia, who is already a worshiper. We're also told she's a dealer of purple cloth, which we can uh, learn that that means she probably has some wealth. This is an expensive thing to have. So she's a woman of financial means. And then she also makes the notion that you can come to her house, which tells me that she has a unique power. She has decision-making authority in her home, something not all women had in this time. Lydia is in a unique place, and in her place, she's able to then offer, hey, you guys can come to my house. You can offer prayer time here. And what I notice here is that Lydia uses what she has. She has a home can imagine it's large enough to host a small group of people and maybe decent enough to do so. And again, she uses the power and authority that she uniquely has to say, you, you can come. You can come to my home and use it as you wish. And I just love seeing how Lydia gave of what she already had. 
what she'd already been blessed with. Chapelwood, in my short four and a half months or so that I've been here, I have witnessed you willing to give of what you had. It has been wonderful to see you give out of your abundance of what you've already been given, your blessings and your authority. Even before I officially started my appointment here, my husband and I were invited over to a family's house for dinner. And in coordination of that dinner, um, we went back and forth on a menu because I have some uh, really restrictive dietary needs. And this family just continued to be willing to make sure that they could offer something that we would enjoy and eat. And then they just opened their home. My husband and I just came over one evening and they fed us wonderful food and they uh, opened their hearts to what God had been doing here at Chapelwood what they had hoped to see in the future, and to learn more about how God was at work in our life too. It was a really simple task, a really simple ask, but it was a real act of generosity, of welcoming us in and giving of what they had. There is a gentleman here in this community who shows up regularly to plant and water the plants here at Chapelwood. Um, he does it out of love out of uh, his, his own um, desire to make the space look nice. He's here early in the morning watering and here in the late afternoon replanting. And uh, this is something that is not to only saves Chapelwood from the cost of landscaping, but I can see it's truly his, his generosity. It's just his giving. It's something that's important to him and he wants to share. I know nothing about plants. I have uh, somehow managed to keep one plant alive for I think now about six months and I'm just waiting for it to die because I just don't know really what I'm doing. Every other week I'm sure that I've killed it, but it just keeps, you know, kind of coming back to life. But this is something that this man truly loves and he gives generously and freely from that. One other quick story, um, when we were doing some renovations and moving some offices around, it became apparent that our preschool really needed a supply closet. And like a really well done one, one that could really be accessible. And over the course of three, maybe six weeks, <laughs> I think it was about six or eight different men came up here at different hours, different days during the week, and just made that supply closet happen. There were a few who really took it on as their project and, and kind of laid out the work, but I saw others coming and going, offering their help, offering their insight, just giving of what they already had. This talent, this time, this muscles and sweat equity. And now there is a beautiful supply closet where all of the uh, materials that need to be accessible throughout the week are no longer just stuffed in a hallway, but they're up on really nice shelves, clean and clear and able for the teachers to get to the things that they need each day. This is generous giving. This is generous living. This is recognizing the abundance that we have and being willing to share that for what God is doing right here and beyond. And I'm blown away by seeing this repeatedly over and over, and I can't wait to see what else God might have in store soon. And as I think about this abundant living, this living generously, giving of what you have, isn't that the gospel? 
Isn't that the good news that we receive in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Isn't that the whole point? Isn't that the central truth that binds all of us together who are so different and so unique, who have such, you know, a diverse backgrounds and roads and paths that led us right to this place. It's because of that good news. It's because the God of all creation, the God of all love and light, of all goodness, the God who has more than God could ever need, pours God's self into humanity to be with us, to teach us, to walk with us, to heal us. And the same God, when we willingly crucify him on a tree, says that too will not stop me from sharing myself with you. All of myself, my grace, my goodness, my salvation, freedom, this is given to you, not because you earned it, not because you finally met the law, not because you proved you were worth it, but because this is me giving of all that I am. This is my existence, and in this, I extend this ability for you to give to. Friends, we are on the verge of something new, something exciting for Chapelwood. We are beginning to dream and step into what it is that God is really calling us next to do, where we were to put our focus, to organize our teams, and to truly put our money behind to support And I hope that you have been in prayer, that you have been in discernment and discussions, that you've been asking God to lead you and to show you how you and your family might join that work. 1 Corinthians tells us that we are co-workers with God's uh, mission, co-labors in the gospel, that we are called to be a part of what God is doing. And now this God, with every power at God's hands, could choose any way God wants to make God's mission real and alive here on earth. And here's the kicker. Out of all the opportunities that God has, and despite all the inefficiency that we bring, God chooses over and over to do God's work through humanity, through us, messy, awful, greedy, yet beautiful and wonderful people. And God has made that choice with you too to say you, in all that you're dealing with, in all that you see, in all that you might still face in the future, I want you to come be a part of this. I want you to join me in this work. You don't have to earn your worthiness. I give my righteousness to you. You are welcome here in all that you bring. I wonder how you might rejoice in the blessings that God has given you. I wonder how you might look around and give of what you already have. And I wonder how you might answer this call and invitation to be co-laborers in the mission and the ministry, spreading the gospel that God has come here to do. Let's pray. Gracious and generous God, we do thank you for all the ways that you are at work amongst us, within us, beside us, before us, and behind us, O God. We cannot find the ability to be worthy of your uh, presence. We can't earn enough or give enough to make ourselves be uh, your chosen people.
people. Because God, you've already chosen us anyways. For while we were still sinners, before we even recognized who you are and what you were up to, before we accepted this grace you give so freely, you died for us. You gave us salvation, freedom, liberation from our own chains of shame and guilt and all the ways we're not meeting the mark. And so, Lord, even if it's just for the next few moments, pull us to rejoice, pull us to celebrate, to recognize and respond to your generous spirit that is amongst us, that is abundant in this place and in this space. And, O oh Lord, lead us to walk in your ways. It's in your name we pray. Amen.